Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast and your week in sports cars brought to you by Cooper Tires, brought to you by the Justice Brothers, brought to you by my brother Graham Goodwin, who's currently mowing down some biscuits, trying to have a, a little bit of a nosh before we get rolling. So while we let Graham eat, I want to say up front, thank you to everyone for the questions you have sent in this week, as you do every week. We don't have the luxury of an excessive amount of time. So we'll mention here at the outset, we don't get your question. Please send it back in. We will absolutely find time. Little wink and a nod. We're going to have time. Uh, just <laughs> not today. We've got the Sebring iRace, which for the very first time, I'm going to be an esports reporter. Yay! So going to do that, which is actually, I, I'm looking forward to it. I've never done such a thing. It can't be that much different than what I normally do. So looking forward to that. Uh want to say as well, all the really kind notes and messages that many of you have sent via good old social media, some by email, of which I still have to respond, asking about my wife, checking in on us, knowing that she has been immunocompromised for a good long while now during this virus outbreak. Really sweet and very, very kind of many of you just to check in and see how, not so much me, I'll admit, you know, you guys... Mrs. Pruitt's the high value asset here, uh, placing that, that comment. Yeah, yeah, placing that 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 care in the exact perfect spot. So thank you. Just want to say thanks to y'all, and thanks to the other kind notes about the formats of the show uh, mentioned on my IndyCar shows. Taking a couple hits lately, one star ratings on Apple Podcasts and and other things with folks saying, "Just shut up. We don't want to hear about you or the cats or the whatever else. Just get to the thing we came here for." Totally get that. Totally appreciate it. In my finest American parlance, ain't happening. This conversational format where we talk to you like family, you talk to us because you call us out, make fun of us, do all the normal things you would expect at a really dysfunctional family barbecue. Well, that's what we try and do here on our little podcast. So assuming our man, Graham Goodwin, has a mouth mostly empty now, He is our official selector of the various categories we roam through on a weekly basis on sports cars, IMSA, World Endurance Championship, ACO, SRO, fun in general. What are we going to do, Mr. Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, in the roughly one hour we have to play yappity mouth talking about sporty cars? And he's gone. This is the best. We're off the rails. Am I, am I here now? Am I here now? Oh, I hope. Oh, <laughs> I'm not editing that right. out. Oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. And I think uh, the first section this week should be, with full respect to the race, we should be waiting to watch at the moment, the 12 Hours of Sebring. We're going to go IMSA, and I'm going to be serving up uh, a, a brief selection for me for the, each of these uh, sections for you, MP. And again, if first we don't one, get to yours... Fire them yeah, back. Yeah. We, we we will have time, and we might shift the format, right, Graham? We normally oh, do yeah, yeah. Q&A of topical, timely, the thing that just happened. Got a couple of those, right? Uh, Mazda, Yoast, you know, we got a couple things here. Got some things, postponements and whatnot. There's a race in mid-June I've heard of that we're fond of <laughs> that might be pushed back a bit. We'll still have some of those things, but we yeah. might shift to more of a, Looking back, looking forward, who knows? You tell Absolutely. us. It's your show. 
I remember the fun in general there for you to play with. And uh, I know we've got a couple of uh, comments there about some of the style of reporting we've been seeing on Daily Sports, go on Racer and elsewhere. Um, and I think that's actually up for debate here. I'm, I'm keen to hear what you guys think of this. Let's start, though, with something that's very newsy. Story, I think you broke uh, MP late last year and uh, certainly first the punch with the latest developments. The uh, the future of US Racing. Racer Spacer at Racer Spacer on Twitter says, what's next for the once mighty US Racing? As a fan, seems like the reputation as a winning, te- winning team has fallen off a cliff. Do people in the industry still consider them a viable challenger or will they be running spec miatas at regional events with guys named Ted? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah! First of all, thank you, Racer Spacer. You've been sending some really fun stuff on social media uh, of late. So just thank you. It is absolutely received. Graham, this is, boy, this is a conversation I never, never expected to have, which is I don't know what Yoast might be doing because their reputation has received a pretty good hammering. Over the last couple of years, they came on board, signed middle of 2017 to take over Mazda's somewhat moribund DPI program, reimagine it from an operational standpoint. But the background, some of you may know this, but I'll run through it for those who don't quickly. Multimatic, the manufacturer of the RT24P DPI, that was something where Mazda's former partner race partner because mazda does not have an actual competition arm of its own to mobilize they worked with a florida-based company by the name of speed source race engineering and speed source played a very heavy role graham as you know in shaping what this beautiful looking but not beautifully performing rt24p had to offer on its debut in 2017 there were reliability issues throughout both in, in motor, putting the power to the ground, just many, many things that did not work well. Performance-wise, it looked slick, but it was not slick in terms of lap time. So at about the halfway mark of its debut season, Mazda said, we're going to stop, we're going to change vendors, and we're going to hire Yoast. There was some very incorrect assumptions I made some of the assumptions based solely on reputation, Graham, that, aha, we know what Yoast has done with Audi, with Porsche, with a variety of programs in the past, where their vast technical knowledge, engineering and design knowledge will just overwrite all of the bad. Working with Multimatic, the vendor, to then produce those things, boom, they're going to come back in 2018, be faster, more reliable, more everything. As we began to learn, Yoast was really the operational infrastructure change. They were not the performance change side so much. As the program got faster and faster, and as it earned its trio of wins last year, we know that Multimatic had been hired to a higher degree every year to put in more content, more people. On the technical side, heavily on the performance side, race engineering as well guess this gets back to the the real core of the answer of where yost might go by the end of this program we can say accurately that very good people under the tent from yost are putting their hands on the car 
from a managerial standpoint, a performance strategy, you name it, that was Multimatic. The biggest gains, the success that was found due to a Canadian outfit that also happens to build the car. But the more money and faith and responsibility placed within Multimatic is the thing that transformed Mazda from an also-ran to a front-runner in DPI. That fact is not lost on the paddock. I don't know how much of the, the stories leak out of the IMSA paddock to go elsewhere, but I can tell you I've heard some behavioral and decision-making things. I can't say that they are 100% factual because I wasn't there. They didn't take place in front of me. I'll just share this, and this is maybe the, the overriding answer that comes to mind. I do believe that Yoast will find work, of course. Europe, I would say, would be most likely, probably not America. But I heard a story, Graham, that I think is going to make life complicated for them, at least over here. And it was something to do with one of the members of the team, one of the American members of Mazda Team Yoast, had a, I forget whether it was a kid or a cousin or a nephew or someone that wanted to do some form of internship, apprenticeship within the team. And this was meant to take place during the off season. I've heard from a pretty good source, one that is not prone to nonsense, that said, the ability for that young person, this beloved family member of a member of this team, American member of this team, was denied that ability until a new contract was signed. Guaranteeing Yost's multi-year continuation in running the program. Now, Ooh. on the surface, that might not sound like much. A kid not getting an opportunity until business gets resolved in our favor. I would just share, Graham, I can't tell you what sensibilities are like elsewhere in the world because I'm born and raised or I happen to be born and raised, so I know my culture here. That is the kind of thing that will enrage us. You are uh, wanting I to deny. I think, it's, I think it's pretty universal. And, I, and I, I, again, I'm sure it is. But that was received as a, aha, you want to use a young person's life and career opportunities as a threat, as a bargaining point, as a, if you don't give us the thing we want, we're genuinely not going to let this person in the door. So if you want to give this young person an opportunity, you need to sign something guaranteeing us millions of dollars for the, uh, in a new multi-year contract. That, I would say, was emblematic of how wide both sides got from a relationship standpoint. And knowing that I did not hear that from inside this program, um, I would say that this tale was used uh, as a fine way to describe one of the reasons why this relationship has was doomed for a while and ultimately was uh, severed by contract back in September, which triggered a six-month um, gardening leave period. Well, actually, not gardening leave, but six-month winding-down process that resulted in Multimatic taking over the effort altogether. So 
we tend to open the show with something that's pretty new and topical and get into it a little bit deeper than some of the other things we do. But this is one, Graham, that just really jumped out as, I'm going to wait to tell this one until it's done, until this relationship is over. But I can guarantee I'm not the only person in the Impsipatic who's heard that story who would react in such a way to go, yeah, this isn't about mechanical abilities and how many Lamal victories you have. This is a character thing. And, boy, uh, this doesn't play. It needs sorting, doesn't it? It really, really does. Let's move on, uh, because one of the, of course, one of the big things uh, that's very much in the news about the impact of what is going on in the wider world with COVID-19 is the apocalyptic effect that it's had on the racing calendar, the racing industry, in fact. And uh, the first, the questions we're going to get to comes from our good mate, Michael Metropolis. Uh, and he says, uh, with the Le Mans 24 hours being postponed to a week after IMSA at Laguna Seca, will this prompt a new date for IMSA at Laguna Seca? Can't imagine the logistics being easy for all the teams competing at Le Mans with this schedule. I don't know about you, MP. I think all bets are off uh, at the moment as to exactly what is going to be falling out of this. Not least because this is our first best guess of where um, races are going to be tumbling back to. Uh, it ain't over yet, um, and I certainly wouldn't be booking anything I couldn't get a refund on uh, on the basis of calendars being republished at the moment. Completely with you here. Michael, I would say this. Look for every racing series to hold firm to the pre-scheduled, if that's even the right term to use, the scheduled events that can be held and maintained so since we do not know when we are getting back to racing i know that some hope it will be may i think there's no chance may or june and just based on what i'm reading every morning on the new york times and and actually just the new york times um based on trying to read credible reporting it looks like we're going to be buckling in here for a while and so although that maybe is overstating the obvious I would not associate Lamar being moved to IMSA then saying, well, then even if we're back to racing by that point, we'll go ahead and shuffle our schedule to accommodate you. Uh, That is just, I can't foresee that happening in this specific instance. If we're talking about, excuse me, the folks at the ASO wanting to move Lamar just during normal scheduling for a normal year and pushing it to a date that has traditionally been an IMSA date and communicating with IMSA as to whether they might be able to adjust theirs, I could see that. This being a somewhat impromptu thing, I would just say that for IMSA, if they're able to hold their Laguna Seca date, I would not see them moving that because other big thing, which I wrote about, couple of days ago graham at least for what we have here in the u.s and rescheduling television is going to drive yep. those dates 100%. because it frankly it doesn't matter what imsa wants to do indycar nascar wants to do for all of these makeup dates they can name the weekend today guess what if they're shared broadcaster they're all on nbc if nbc doesn't say yep 
and we have the ability to accommodate you and send trucks and send crew and send all the equipment, then those races are going to take place in the proverbial dark, which no one can afford to do because every sponsor and every manufacturer is freaked out right now that they're getting no return on investment. So uh, I guess the overriding point I'd make here, Michael, is for an NBC, the first thing they're probably going to look for, if not state, is when we do get back to racing, provided it during the calendar that we have planned in advance, we're going to stick to the ones that are already there because we've already allocated, we're ready to go for those. We'll fit in the rest as we can. Also keep in mind, we're going to have tennis and golf and track and field yep. and American football and uh, your football, what we call soccer. There's going to be a whole wide world of sports, although that's ABC, to be thrown in and accommodated. So just because a series that isn't IMSA has changed its big giant date to something in Europe, I would say very doubtful that's going to have a knock-on effect over here. We're going to have our own stuff to schedule. I think one of the things that you will start to see having to happen is a bit more flexibility in terms of the way the regulations will work. I can see uh, that we might get some series trimmed down by a race or two. We've already seen in Formula One, for instance, the Monaco Grand Prix is cancelled. It will not take place in 2020. I think we might see other series, particularly where there's that mutual interest in a big race, and particularly in the environment we've currently got with convergence and those conversations, perhaps the judicious insertion into regulations of being able to drop a score might be uh, something that could be put in place there to ease the burden on some of those teams that might have to make some pretty tough choices. I think we've got massive challenges here, but there's also massive opportunities as well to see the benefits that can come from truly um, you know, sport-saving measures, uh, because we, we stand at the abyss here uh, for the industry. This is this is not a comfortable place to be, and it's no, it it's not just because I'd like to think of a reasonably nice fella that um, I'm doing and we're doing what we're doing. I've seen you know what Racer are doing in terms of supporting the industry. We'd like there to be an industry to come back, and I think here is where the sanctioning bodies. Uh, do need to start to think, if you can't move, then fine, but let's make it easy for people to make the choice that is right for their business to get through the hell that is 2020. Yeah, and just throw in one other other quick thing. Um, We have a situation here, as I mentioned, with many racing series, if not most North American racing series, on the same channel. Heard and I'll be exploring this in written form, whether there could be some form of super event consolidation. Hey, IMSA, IndyCar, I don't know, NASCAR, boy, y'all got a lot of races to make up. There's probably no way we're going to be able to broadcast everything that you've lost all in a solo capacity. Uh, November X, Watkins Glen, New York. (laughs) Uh, Saturday through Sunday, we are going to have IMSA, IndyCar, NASCAR. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. We're bringing our camp. We're bringing everything, but we're setting up at this track on this date. Y'all, if you want to make something up, come on down. That would be amazing. Granted, uh, IMSA does not do ovals. 
Could we see a situation where, through the might and leverage of the almighty broadcaster, IndyCar and NASCAR share an oval race date? I don't know, but these are the things that are being discussed by those series. I don't know exactly, and we'll get to this maybe in uh, WC and more for you, Graham, but I'm guessing there might be a situation where some European series could be asked from a broadcaster to, hey, could y'all maybe pile on to the same weekend where you normally wouldn't? The tribal line separating you all, we might need to erase those in this very strange season we're having to concoct. And we have silence. And we we back again. We're and I'm not going to edit it out because this is what the show is really like, you know, and it happens to me, too. It's it's a brand new headset uh, because we've had some uh, some comments about some of the kind of the the uh, the sound that you're getting back from me. The Graham Goodwin nose blasting has come to an end. Indeed. But here's the thing. Um, It does have a mute button, but it doesn't have a light to say when it's on or off. So I'm going to have to work out something better or, frankly, get a better one. Um, Talking to someone who does know what they're talking about, about these these matters, we're having a discussion about the role of, for instance, the FIA. And for me, I think this is the point where some of those paper walls need to be just slashed and burned uh, there is no reason, or rather, let's put it this way, there are reasons, but they're not reasons that should be permanent to stop there being, if you like, a super racing weekend. Midweek races sounds great, but the problem there is you've got to get these volunteers um, around, which is going to be very difficult. But extending a race meeting by potentially a single day, and for the sake of arguing, putting on WTCR, an FIA-sanctioned uh, World Cup, Uh, on the support bill, maybe on the Thursday and Friday of a Grand Prix weekend, shouldn't be beyond the wit of man at this stage. I think what we we, remember as well, that we've got a number of the the Grand Prix venues that are fully floodlit. So actually um, doing something where it gives the opportunity for uh, those kind of events to be extended weekends, again, shouldn't be beyond the wit of man and woman, for that matter, I'd just like to see some creative thinking. I'd like to see uh, everybody in the sport pulling together here. It is about what kind of sport, what kind of industry we have left at the end of this, whether or not it takes 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks or whatever. Um, People are going to need help to get back on their uh, own two feet. And we should not assume at the moment that this has just been a pause button. When we press play again, it may just be that we find we've got fewer players. And, boy, is that not the most salient thing we're going to discuss today and for what I fear will be months ahead. And it is, what do we look like when we come back? Also yeah, also mention here, just very quickly, I realize we're on the subject of IMSA. Clearly, we've just kind of veered off into, you know, other th- things that aren't necessarily IMSA-themed. And maybe that's an adjustment we're going to have to make, Graham. We'll do our best to stick to the categories, but we're probably just going to have some real conversations about things that don't fit nice buckety items that land in a linear capacity. So the conversation I've had with 15, 20 folks in the industry over the past week is what will we look like when we all come back together? Yeah. Who, who will be missing? I don't 
know if that is going to be readily visible on pit lane. I don't think we're going to see the ELMS paddock cut in half. Half the cars no. on pit lane, or we we'll lose. I think we will lose some. I'm not I saying we won't, we'll but I'm some. just saying yeah. I don't think we're going to be talking about the racing series entrants have been wiped out. Do expect to see some losses. That would it would be abnormal if that didn't take place across all the all the various series. Just statistically, it's going to happen, but I don't think that's going to be the big percentage. It will be. The announcer, the the sole contractor, the photographer that does work for a couple of small teams. It's going to be the the independent PR person, who the graphic designers, the it, caterers, hundred percent, and not meant to be a plug, just sharing because it's something we're trying to document. Uh, I think on Monday on Racer we started something called the Lockdown Diaries, doing exactly this. Talking to team owners, big and small, uh, caterers. We've got some coming with physical therapists. And, you know, I've spoken on the IMSA side with Bobby Ergel, PR1 Matheson, Motorsports, LMP2 team. Will Turner uh, from GT Daytona spoke with Michael Harvey, team manager for the Porsche GT team. So, uh, and I think, I'm still not sure who I'm going to speak with on the DPI front, but Similar in IndyCar, all levels uh, of size, and a bunch of other folks, photographers, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, junior open wheel series as well. Include that with yep. smaller uh, training series for sports car, and you just you gain a full understanding of what you suspected, what I suspected, which is we can last a while but this is not going to be something we can handle permanently. And one of the questions I've been asking to all, what is your number? Do you know your number? Is it three months, two months, six months? What is the, what's your number uh, of where you can, where you believe and you forecast you can survive this pause. And obviously it varies. Also, there's been some amazing things revealed Graham in call it battle planning. Uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jim Leo who runs a, a very popular fitness training business in Indianapolis, and it, it caters to drivers, by and large, IndyCar and IMSA. And he used to work for Roger Penske. And as a result of working for Roger, Jim, by earned experience, is someone who has plan A, B, C, and D all in place everything prepared in advance in case something like this happened. Not that he knew it would be a pandemic, but could it be just a regular financial collapse? Who knows? Zombie apocalypse, something. Jim, by chance, put so many layers of things in place beforehand that when this happened, he was able to react immediately. Business is safe for a very reasonable amount of time, but it is not something where he was just hit had to think about it, realize that there's five different things he should have done, both financially, staffing, insurance, yada, 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 and wonder if he's going to last one month. So, but that number changes and varies. It does reveal, though, Graham, when we come back, 
that person that we normally go to at Team X to get the quote about the thing, the photographer we walk over to and say, hey, could you send me a shot of this? I'm about a file story about that. The fly-in crew member, right, that refuels the car on the GT team such and such, or the strategist possibly, or the run on down the line, the pit lane official, the starter, the volunteer corner worker. This is where we're going to see the biggest impact because most of the folks who are not full-time employees, those who are either volunteers or contract employees, uh, one of ones per se, they're probably going to have to make other decisions. Would I love to go spend my weekend doing this? Sure, but I might have to go and find another job or move or drastically alter my life, start selling a lot of hashtag me personally belongings just to cover myself. And you know what that means? If I'm having to make that big of an adjustment in my life to survive, being able to hop on a plane, how's this? Here's something, and I'll just mention this to close, and we'll get back to the final question on IMSA, then go to WAC for you. My first year or two, maybe even three, of being a reporter, Graham, I paid for all my own travel. Uh, the, the truly thankful point where uh, speed.com said, okay, well, you, you just send those bills and invoices to us afterwards. That was amazing. But what it meant while I was working a not super highly paying job, nine to five job in biotech was I had to keep a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars padded at all times because for me to use my vacation time to go to most sport to engineer something manage something do whatever and also try and take some photos and do a little bit of side work a little reporting for speed um i paid for that out of my pocket because i hadn't earned my name or reputation in the sport there would be no reason for someone to cover my travel. So on top of having to pay rent, uh, a wedding for my wife and I, and all kinds of things, and none of this is a complaint. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. I was living on crazy tiny margins, trying to create a new career for myself, having to invest in myself, and that meant all of my travel costs came out of my pocket, And so I had to keep a roving number, $1,000 or more, basically there to use that for. And then even when I got to getting reimbursed, it wasn't, well, here's a credit card, Marshall, book your flights. It was, great, we'll pay you back. But you're just getting your own money back, and it might take six weeks, it might take eight weeks. And so there's always this void of barely making it, money always going out and hoping it comes back sometime soon, that's a reality for a lot of folks who show up and support your WEC, ELMS, Asian Le Mans Series, IMSA, SRO. It's those folks that I'm worried about because had this hit while I was going through that, Graham, you and I would never know each other. I would not be in this profession if this struck at that time. I would be working a nine-to-five somewhere else, I'm sure, but... Any hope of being a reporter and going and doing this stuff on the weekends and racing would have died. Let me add three things to that really briefly. Uh, the first is that we are, as you, I think you've noticed, I know others have too, running 
uh, small ads for freelancers looking for work because they have literally no income coming in. They're not just coming from teams in the LMS or areas where Delhi sports car is strong. In fact, the majority of them are coming from Formula E and Formula One. These are people on the very edge of financial survival that have got literally no income. I'm not sure we're going to be having all of those back to the sport. Second thing is, at the other end of the scale, talking about future projects and talking to people and the money they've got to invest in future projects, the financial markets have taken such a hit that their available funding is taking a massive hit. A acquaintance of mine told me uh, three, four days ago, his own pension fund, this is a wealthy man, had taken a big six-figure hit in about four days. Six figures, UK. So that's, uh, in, the, in terms of the number, that's seven figures US in four days. The final thing is, you, you mentioned more than once there, this business about travel. I'm not sure what travel industry we're going to have left at the end of this without major international support for the airlines and the transport uh, system. Um, and neither do I know that whatever we've got left and how affordable that's going to be, are we going to be in a position where they have to actually slash prices to attract people back? Or are they just going to be trying to recoup losses, in which case it will be unaffordable? There's a lot here to come out of the wash. And this is why we need to keep cool heads, uh, not start kind of running away with ourselves, but start thinking about the wider pictures and listening to the advice and, and, and paying heed to it. Let's do it's, this, uh, Graham. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's save IMSA and move to Weckasm Elms Echo yeah, okay. and close the show on that. And in the spirit of what you mentioned, just in the finest Amer uh, Californian term, <laughs> organically uh, during this episode on adjustments, why don't we do this? And y'all tell us if it makes sense for you. We normally do hour and a half, two hours, depending upon if we've got a big event we're coming out of or giant news. It could sure. be more than two hours worth of the weekend sports cars. It's just as easy for us to do two shows per week, an hour yeah. each or less, and just give you a higher volume uh, with shorter duration. Yeah, I think that, that might not be a bad thing, but I don't know if that's something you all want you might have noticed I just launched a new series that I came up with at the Portland IndyCar race last year in end of August called Nine Minutes of Nonsense, which is just that, nine minutes or less of nonsense. And so just trying to, now granted, that was a pre-coronavirus concept, but it certainly does fit the need right now for distracting folks. So maybe if y'all are in agreement uh, we might just end up doing two of these a week. Who knows? And so maybe you don't need to send in your questions. You don't. We've just decided you don't need to send in your questions again if we don't get to them because we're going to try to get to as many as we can. Normally, it's just not going to happen in this episode. So, Graham, maybe in a couple of days, sure. we'll get to the rest and put out another call for questions. So we'll see how that works. Well, oddly enough, I'm going nowhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, that sounds to me like a very good plan. And uh, we will reach out on social media and get your reactions to that. But it's, it's certainly more sustainable with the working patterns that we've now got. So we're going to work, move off on now to ACO rules. We're racing. going to your world. This comes <laughs> from our pal Simon Rafi, who says, Lamar, move to September. The night will be longer. How it do you will. think, Graham, this will affect the race? Well, Simon says it does. So we're 
I mean, we wouldn't do anything crazy like actually go and check beforehand. No, indeed. Well, indeed. Also, Daniel Summersgill says much the same, as does Joshua, Joshua Ponce. Ponce. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so the answer is you're absolutely right. It will be um, significantly more uh, running in darkness. So that will be a distinct change. Not the first time we've had a September uh, uh, Le Mans 24 hours. Could well affect the chances of poor weather as well. Remember, it always rains at Le Mans and it might rain a bit more uh, than than that one of the things i think it might affect marshall is the crowd and there's a good reason for that because an awful lot of um companies corporate entities as well of which the educational institutions appear to be enforcing the point that effectively this extended break certainly in certain marketplaces will be their de facto shutdown their regular uh, summer break which, whilst it doesn't impact on June, might well impact on the numbers of people that are able to actually attend it. Do I think we'll see the original 62 cars? Probably not, is the honest answer. I think the odds here, depending on what we see coming out from the industry, is one or two of those might look a little different by the time we get to September. I hope, dearly, that is not the case. I hope all of our friends in the industry manage to get through this. But some of the, the messages I'm hearing from a number of teams is that it is proving difficult to sustain the contracts they've currently got signed on the basis that those people will not be racing and those commercial entities will not be getting, as you quite rightly say, uh, the return on investment uh, for some little time. So let's. We, I'm afraid this is going to be a hashtag wait and see. Um, I am not, by the way, going to fall into the trap that I've heard um, other media outlets going down here, which is that it's a whole sea of I don't know. That's not going to help anybody. I think the best way to help people here is here are the questions that need to be answered. Here are the things that will need to be addressed in order to answer those questions. But I don't know, I'm afraid in this instance, is helping nothing and nobody. Uh, what do I think we'll see? I think we'll see an exciting race. I think we'll see an industry somewhat battered and bruised but energized to get back racing and let's hope it provides a spectacle and a race worthy of a bit of a rebirth uh, for the the industry it's certainly mp going to impact on a number of other matters one of which is it's of course edging into when we should have started the next season so the interesting uh, aspect of calendar uh, reassignment there is going to be when are we going to start season nine of the FIA WEC? It was meant to be first weekend in September at Silverstone. Uh, I think we had a question further down that asked about uh, whether or not there will be racing before them on. Absolutely, there is an intention that there should be that we should get LMS and uh, and the WEC with at least one race before the Le Mans 24 hours. Uh, Sebring is gone it will not be replaced in wc terms so we're going to have at least one fewer events it seems we've seen a bit of a reshuffle as well with the proposed dates for the 24 hours moto that will now be two weeks before we get into race week which does give us space for the test day at le mans or for a race somewhere else but i think they would like to have uh, a test day but there's a lot still on the table and for me i think putting down the marker that says Here's our target date for the Blue Ribbon event, the world's Blue Ribbon event, putting down that marker and then giving yourself breathing space to be able to move a little at least 
uh, around that date with your remaining calendar for this season, in the case of the WEC, or your calendar for next season or the current season for everything else, I think that's fairly smart. Trying to give the industry at least something to cling on to, to start to plan around, rather than what we've got at the moment, which is this great, great big abyss that we simply don't know when the world of motorsport will get back to being something other than online. feel compelled to mention here, Graham, that the choice of September seems a little bit on the nose to rerun Le Mans, knowing that it was in 2017 and 2019 cool in the gang was one of the featured bands there, <laughs> their song September again, very popular. Sorry. Couldn't just leave that uh, hanging right there. Joshua Pons uh, adds to this and we've already covered it to a bit, but uh, this was speaking maybe more domestically in my end. So maybe you can give us the thoughts, Graham turnout. People showing up for Le Mans in mid to late September. What do you forecast or anticipate for whether we're going to see all those named on the entry list being able to turn up? Also, another thing, which I know I'm asking you a question you can answer, but as was asked earlier by Michael Metropolis, well, we're going to have some conflicts in America, most likely, uh, in or around the date of Le Mans that might make it hard for some of the drivers or teams that were planning to come over unencumbered, no date conflicts at all could yep. indeed. So just trying to put on your, your forecasting cap. How do you think this shuffling and, and worldwide adjustment might impact that grid we had announced and who all might be turning up? I think you're at the very least are going to see some drivers that were doing deals to race at Le Mans this year, not doing those deals and being replaced by other drivers at the very least. That might impact to the point where the odd team might have to forfeit their entry. We don't know that yet, but that is distinct possibility. As to Joshua's other uh, point, absolutely. That Look, right now we've come through a period of time where you and I and everybody else in motorsport uh, journalism has just been writing a tsunami of stories about cancellations, postponements, etc. We're going to get into another phase of that uh, in, I would guess, about three months' time, which is when the calendars start to fill up, and there is going to be one byword, and that word is clash. And we're just going to have to suck it up. It's as simple as that. You know, the reality is nine into 12 don't go. And if it's a three-month gap in the uh, the calendar, and it might well be four or longer in some instances, then the reality is either some events are going to have to fall or we're going to have incredible event clutter um, right across the world. Because it's not just endurance racing, of course. It's literally everything else. It's MotoGP, it's Formula One, it's Formula E, it's World Rally, it's World Touring Cars, it's... Uh, everything that SRO does there, you know, they've been uh, making some, you know, some pretty bold claims and some, uh, and frankly, I've got some admiration for what they're trying to do there, but I'm afraid their plan that the uh, GT World Challenge across the continental events, everything uh, will, will run, be, nothing will be delayed. Or, just, I'm sorry, I don't mean just, delayed. Nothing will be cancelled. Full calendar. Well, just not going to happen. And beyond that, they're going to have to run events in different continents on the same weekend get used to that idea as well so and here's the thing i'll say this right here and now 
I'm not going to be any open to any moaning and groaning about that. We're in a, real, a different reality here. This is a completely different world of motorsport. And frankly, we've just got to find the least painful way to close the book on this year by the time we get to the end of this year. I'm afraid everybody, particularly, we've got a very engaged audience for the weekend sports cars. Please, please stick with the positivity. This is this is a tough, tough task on so many levels. But we've got people working hard to try to keep this rolling and we've got working hard to try to get this thing back there will be mistakes made there is zero doubt there will be mistakes made but what we don't i think uh, need to hear is is just people sniping at necessary decisions these things they're obvious to me they're obvious to you mp they're clearly obvious to our listeners and they're absolutely obvious to the motorsports championship organizers as well I would like to hear and see more of the FIA in this. This is the sound of me not holding my breath on that. Um, I, th- I think this is an ideal area where a global organisation, getting people around the table and at least getting a framework together now uh, with a bit of optioneering. The point you made, by the way, about your uh, your friend of the fringe of Penske, spot on. Used to be my job, contingency planning for government and for uh, the kind of... <sighs> huge impactful events whether or not that's a kind of a disaster a terror attack whatever in this case a pandemic it happens in the background i want to hear that that is happening with not just this sport but this business i want somebody to put their hand up and say we'll give it a shot and let's get these people around a virtual table and at least give them a framework about what we're planning centrally so that you can then start to make some decisions about that I'm not hearing it yet. I'd like to hear it before we get too much further into this. I should insert in here. I've heard not claiming it again to be a fact, but I've heard the discussions behind the good old scenes on technical regulations that were meant to be announced yesterday. Has Mm -hmm. Sebring gone forward as intended. I've heard that that, subject is going incredibly well rather than being something that has fallen prey to all the delays and pushbacks and sorry that's we'll get to that at some indeterminate point in the future i've heard they've actually really kept their head down i don't have any ideas to when we're going to get the regs announced and delivered but i have heard that uh, this is actually going really full steam ahead and that's a very positive thing so we've got 10-ish minutes left, Graham, yep. and I want to want to stay in a theme here. We've got some great stuff that's just normal. Uh, our pal, Grian Gumpy Bearsuit, or Russ Lahr, asks, why the Lawrence Vantor and Earl Bamber not pair for Lamont? We'll get to that in the don't next like, episode, right? I yeah, love that, that. Just a quickie. They, they don't like each other. They're both terrible people. Well, very, yes. Uh, look, let's just say they have social viruses that force them to uh, <laughs> remain apart at Lamont. We just won't go any further, but... We're going to get to some of these other fun items, but I really, I think we should close this show uh, before we come back here in a couple of days and get to more and delve into the general category and fun, plus all the IMSA and WEC and related questions we haven't fielded with our pal Jacob Bame, who says, it's too soon to tell Graham, but if mm-hmm. season nine of the WEC turns out to be starting in November of 2020 or later, could you see the ACO moving the launch of their new Lamar hypercars into season 10 
alongside the LMDH? And if not, why? That's the, and I know you've touched on this a bit, but we do need to yeah. think about the fact that, boy, there was a beyond racing dates and entertainment and cars going Zoom, we did have a whole new era set to start in we your did. world in September and wind the clock forward a year from that point and a whole new other formula to come. Any feeling on how this might get moved, adjusted, dealt with? That's uh, a big layer to consider. The, the problem here is what do you, if you don't launch it, what do you have in the top class? And the problem there is Toyota have made it clear, no, Kate's all bets are off at the moment. The TSO 50, Toyota will not race beyond Le Mans this year. Uh, they have no intention of, of racing that car for another season. Um, it looks as if there are, well, we know that the Rebellion are done uh, at the end of Le Mans. That leaves you at the moment with Toyota saying they're not racing that car. Rebellion uh, not coming back. That leaves you with the potential for two Ginettas uncontested for the World Championship. Lawrence Tomlinson would be very happy with that uh, if indeed he decides to bring his cars back for another season. But uh, I think it's a fair point. I think what we do have here, and it depends, I think, what we get back from conversations with Toyota, conversations with Jim Glickenhouse, who, remember, was not looking. Another uh, good story for you, race.com there, MP, not looking to actually bring his car to the tracks until the second half of the season. Whether or not the shutdown of other things has been a problem or or an opportunity remains to be seen. Whether or not because Toyota aren't racing, they're able to accelerate their program on the hypercar, we don't yet know because they're not yet telling us. But I think there are a range of, of options here. I cannot see them delaying it unless we hear from, particularly from Toyota, that this has been a, such a disaster in terms of them actually getting people to the places they need to get them to that they've actually not been able to progress their program and they won't be ready. Um, there is the option that Toyota could change their minds and we could see the TSO 50 for a further, what I think would be a slightly shorter season. Uh, I don't think uh, with the compression of dates we're going to see quite the number of races into season nine that perhaps we were expecting. Uh, but at the moment, all bets are off. And I think one of the reasons we're not really hearing any certainty on that one yet is simply what I said earlier. At the moment, we've got the ACO have put the flag on the moon in terms of where they plan for the Le Mans 24 hours to happen. They're forced into that position for lots of reasons, but not least, of course, that is the final round of the current season of the FIA WEC, and they don't want to get into another super season uh, scenario. They might be forced into the position where that has to be the case um, if they have to slip any further than September. The problem here is, uh, you won't hear me say these words again on the show, we don't know. And if we don't know, and I don't think they, well, clearly they don't know either. We don't know when this is going to be over. We don't know when it's going to be uh uh, the the government shackles of of the uh, the um, restrictions being placed are going to be lifted, and most of all, because uh, within that we don't know when it's going to be safe to do that. So at the moment, I think the answer is that all bets are off. They've clearly got in mind in the background a vision of how they would like to do this. I don't believe they will delay it. I think they will go with the uh, the 
um, the timetable that is currently laid down. But again, the other part of that MP is we know the disruption that's happened to the automotive industry. It's extreme. And no one is going out buying a car right now. It may well be that we have to delay it because it may well be that those manufacturers are not in a position where they can commit as quickly as we would have liked them to. We might just be here across the globe, not just in motorsport, not just in the travel industry, but the automotive industry as well, a great big pause button. And that has clearly got an impact potentially on the ability to deliver programs in time. It might also be an opportunity because the opportunity might just be this. When you do get the automotive industry back and running, you can be looking for some form of competitive advantage to kickstart that. Could that be to get people back out there looking at the image of their their uh, their products out there and succeeding on the sport, uh, field of sports? I hope it will. But uh, right question. My guess is we're not going to have a meaningful answer for it for some weeks yet. Tack on one item here and then we will say farewell. So this is, again, a known thing, overstating the obvious for some. While many of us are sheltering in home, working from home, minimizing social contact, practicing social distancing, having limitations placed on whatever a local government or municipality might be on how many folks can congregate the number, that also affects those who make the racing cars and who make the motors and who make the composites, and who do all of the things that, with a new formula being concocted, the formula itself is obviously done, uh, but for those who are building the vehicles, developing, and so on, keep in mind, Glickenhaus relies on a few different companies in Italy to manufacture their competition cars. We know how hard hit Italy has been with the coronavirus. I would suggest that there is not a full steam ahead workforce producing Glickenhaus hypercars today. Uh, Toyota, TMG as well, just sharing the fact that while the racing has stopped, which we know, we should also be clear that that doesn't mean everything is happening as normal at the factories making numbers of hypercars, new Toyota hypercars to go race. All of these things have paused as well. I'm sure some things will happen and will trickle in terms of continuation. Can folks still be working at home doing CAD designs and other? Sure. But the majority of the work for this formula meant to launch in September has also ground to a halt. So we do have more than just race dates, more than just calendar starts to consider. Big questions the ACO and WC will have to ask Graham of a Glickenhaus, of a TMG, of a whomever. When do you think you can get back to making these? And what is your amended testing program that you'd like to suggest? How long you're going to want to then hit the tracks we can't currently go to? When, what, now again... Coming back to a key topic, have any of the vendors that you have worked with providing big or small componentry, how hard hit are they? Do they still exist? Do you have to find new vendors to manufacture the shifting system or the gears or the this? or the, Again, we don't know. That's yep. part of the, hmm, 
on every level, this is changing us and will change us somehow. Some vendor that makes something for TMG for their next or for their new hypercar is probably not going to survive. They don't, TMG wouldn't know who it is now because it hasn't happened yet, but they're going to have to scramble if it's a system or something where there are five to choose from maybe they have four others to go and speak with to see if they can make that thing for them to keep the car moving forward it's not going to happen overnight so it's just these kinds of areas of uncertainty where i guess like the virus itself it needs to run its course so we can see what we look like uh in the end and then see how we can go forward so speaking of going forward graham Why don't you take us home, my friend? I'll take you home. The message before we go is twofold. Watch this space. Be patient. Everybody is struggling right now. And you want to see, uh, say this, Marshall, too. Please, please don't listen to the idiots on the Internet. Don't listen to the idiots politicking out there. Listen to the experts. Do what they say. Keep yourselves, keep your family, keep your friends happy and safe. And we will be with you throughout this. We're not going to stop doing what we do. We know uh, you guys like to uh, engage with us. These two idiots will be on the Internet. We're guaranteeing that. Just don't listen to us is basically what what Graham's saying. Don't believe what we say, but we we do want uh, everybody to be safe on the other side of this one. It's a great big motorsport family. Let's care for each other. You do that every single week by engaging with us and some of the very nice things you say about what it is we do and caring about us and uh, our families beyond that. Stay well. Uh, We will be with you in just a couple of days. Um, We'd like to say thank you again to Cooper Tyres and the great people at the Justice Brothers. I've been Graham Goodwin. He's been Marshall Pruitt. That low noise you can hear in the background, I gather is Rocky snoring on the desk next to him. Rocky's been snoring the whole time. The whole time. I've got to go walk a husky. This has been the Weekend Sports Cars. Good night.